let's put our hands together as we praise him this morning. How yeah. praise in the valley, and praise on the
Father, we love you. We praise your name. Go ahead and look at your neighbor and say, it's going to be a good day. It's going to be a good day. You can go ahead and be seated in the house of the Lord this morning. And I just want to welcome our guests. So if you're in person or watching online, this is your first Sunday with us, and we haven't gotten a chance to meet you yet. We're glad that you're here to worship with us. Dothan, first, can we welcome our guests this morning? Welcome. A few things we want you to do, we want you to be aware of, is that if you'll pull out your smartphone and uh, scan the QR code on the screen or text D1TEXT to 84576, please fill that out with as much information as you don't mind us having. And what we want you to do is hold on to that Connect card until after the service, and we want you to meet us in our guest reception. We want to exchange that Connect card with a gift, and we just want to tell you welcome for being here. Dothan First, can we welcome our guests one more time? There's a number of things on there that I want you to be aware of, and there's uh, you can get connected, prayer requests. Uh, one of the things that we're going to do today is child dedication, even grow track. Somebody say grow track. It's important because we believe that's not just a pathway to membership, it's a pathway to ministry. So we would encourage you to do that. A few things we also want you to be aware of is that today in Kids First, they are doing the finale of Creation Park. So a lot of our parents and grandparents, uh, you're invited as a family to our Family Life Center uh, to see what our, our kids are doing there. I just want to take a moment and say our Kids First pastors are doing an amazing job. Pastor Josh and Pastor Natalie. They're doing an amazing job with the next generation, so please, if you get a chance today, even when they're checking them out, check out Creation Park, see what your kids get to sit in every single week. And as I mentioned in Grow Track, talking about ways to serve, as you exit today at the end of service, you'll see a Kids First ministry banner. If you're interested in being a part of that team and signing up to be a part of that ministry, I challenge you and I encourage you to sign your name up because I, I want to say this to you, you'll never regret investing in the next generation. I promise you, you won't, you won't do that. So uh, please sign up today at the end of service. Pastor Josh and Pastor Natalie would love to tell you the vision that they have for that ministry. And again, today is going to be a great day. As I mentioned, we got child dedication. So can you do me the favor of honoring our pastors, Mark and Michelle, as they come to the stage? Uh, thank you, Pastor Will. Thank you. Man, thank you. Yes. hey, let me tell you this. I love the staff pastors here yeah. at Dothan First. They are amazing. And I'm just so grateful. Yeah, yeah. We are so thankful that God has gifted us with some of the best people in the whole wide world, some of the greatest leaders. They are just high-functioning, low-maintenance leaders. And uh, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be celebrating them in a Pastor Appreciation Sunday uh, on the October 15th. It's Pastor Appreciation Month. And so our staff pastors... We're going to take time to give a special appreciation on that Sunday. And of course, you can come prepared to bless them. But today we have a special child dedication. We're so excited about this, excited about what God's doing in the life of this couple. And, uh, and so today is a very special day and you get to be a part of it. Yes, we are very excited today. I want to ask Asher Todd Hickman and his family to come on up here this morning. Give them a hand as they're walking. Yeah, come on. Mom and dad, Jonathan, who we call Brody, and Megan, come on up. Yeah. And um, Asher is a one and a half years old, and I'm going to have them come up. They've got some out-of-town family that have come to support them. Come on up Just here. Right here. It's so good to see you Make guys. sure we see Asher up front, right, buddy? Yeah. 
I made sure Brody and I were matching today. I want to make sure you know, we're going to so do a drama funny. later. I, that. Uh, yes. I called him this morning and said, hey, we're going to do a drama we're later. Here. I need to. <laughs> it's great to have you guys. Hey, guys. But this couple, I'm so happy that this couple is a part of our church family. And I'm loving getting to know you guys and just excited for what the Lord is doing in your family's life. You know, you shared with me that you came to this church back in January in the middle of us doing our 14 days of prayer and fasting. And I know you are at a time in your life where you're like, God, I need you to move. I need you to work in our lives. And so you, you in your words, you said, I took that. 14 days of prayer and fasting seriously and really sought the Lord. And I see that he's doing a work in your life. And um, as your pastors, we're so proud of you. And we are here for you guys. And the elders are here for you guys to help you walk through um, just raising a godly family. But I want to just um, have Asher look up front. You see him? Look at his little picture. He's so, oh, he's like, not today. Um, but the other day he was throwing the ball in, oh, in Pastor good. Mark's hey. office, the golf ball. Let he's either going to be a pitcher yes. or, a, or a quarterback because yes, that kid's got sure. an arm. But Asher, his name means happy and blessed. And I think that you would say that as his parents, that he definitely models that happy and he is a blessing and the scripture that i felt this morning to speak over asher is out of proverbs 16 20 and i use the amplified version because of this it says he who pays attention to the word of god will find good and blessed happy prosperous to be admired is he who trusts confidentially in the lord and so this morning as we dedicate Asher and as you are agreeing to raise him in the things of the Lord the house of the Lord and build your home and biblical principles we speak and declare over him that he will trust in the Lord and that he will be a blessing to those who meet him in Jesus name Amen. well today it's my honor to be able to invite you into really a covenant because when we're dedicating a child we're really dedicating a whole family to the service of the Lord in helping to raise little Asher. And you're blessed in that you have support systems around you as family and blood relatives, but you also have a church family that's here in support and celebration of this dedication. And as I read these charges to you, uh, I would encourage the whole family to answer with you in, with an energetic, we do. But here is the, the, the covenant that we want to lay before you today. Do you now present Asher before God in solemn dedication, promising to bring him up in the nurture, the discipline, and the love of the Lord by teaching him to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit and regularly fellowshipping with other believers in a Christ-centered church family? If so, say, we do. With God's help, do you promise to bless Asher by modeling the teachings of Jesus before him, training him in the practice of prayer and guiding him toward Christ-like character? If so, say, we do. And finally, do you commit to pray daily for this miracle of life that's been entrusted to you? And do you uh, promise to guide Asher so that in the following of your example, he'll come to naturally know the love of Jesus Christ? If so, say, we do. Well, I want you to understand the significance of this, that when Jesus was with his disciples and the children were trying to run up to Jesus, the disciples were pushing them away, saying, don't bother Jesus. And Jesus stopped the disciples and said, let the little children come to me. 
The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And what he was saying was this, that the trust of a child, that faith of a child, of a little child, is what God is after in each one of us, that we trust him with the assignment that he's given. Listen, parenting is hard work, and I promise you it doesn't, it doesn't seem to get much easier. We're, we're kind of in the empty nest syndrome, and it just seems like there's different phases of life that you have to walk your child through. But with God's help, he'll help you. And if you trust the Lord with all your heart, don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. The Bible says he'll make your path straight. So today, we're going to pray over you as we pray over little Asher today and dedicate him to the Lord. But as a church family, would you stretch out your hands toward this family as though you're kind of standing right beside them today? Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for Brody and for Megan and for Asher. We speak life and health and strength and blessing over them. Lord, I pray that as they continually turn their attention and focus towards you, that you would give them the wisdom and the knowledge to be able to raise him. And Lord, we celebrate little Asher today. We bless him today. God, we honor the commitment of, uh, Lord, the biblical faith that they're walking in. And so today, as a church family, we say we support them in these moments of dedication. And the days ahead, we continually keep our prayers focused around assisting them in this journey. We thank you for that in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. 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 Hey, we're going to take a family picture. So can you get up with a, make sure everybody can be seen. There we go. All right, we're going to take a picture. Look right there. <laughs> All right. Can you give this family a hand? We love you guys. And we got a little gift we want to give to you. God bless you. And it's so nice to have met you. God bless you. Thank you so much. And uh, today is a special day because it's in preparation for what I think is one of the biggest things we can do all year long, as far as I'm concerned, and that's celebrating the ladies of this house. Uh, I feel like an old school rapper. All the ladies in the house say, ah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> hey, look, I was a freestyle rapper in the day. You know, I know. Anyway, that's an old, okay. that's a long story. Okay. We're going to bring it yeah. back. Wow. To yeah. celebrating the ladies of this house. Can you give it up for all the ladies yeah, in the yeah, house? Yeah. Come on. Listen, we are so excited, ladies. This week is conference week. Yeah. We, yes, come on now. We have been praying, we have been fasting, we have been preparing for the ladies that will be here this weekend. Our speakers have been praying, preparing, and fasting for this weekend. And we believe in our spirit that this is going to be a life-changing weekend. Yeah. And life-changing because what the Word says, where two or more are gathered, He is in their midst. And yeah. you cannot walk out being in His presence, not changed. That's right. We are very, very excited. Now listen up. I know we're going to have a lot of fun that weekend. We're gonna, I mean, this whole brochure right here, honey, I don't know if you've even seen this glasses on this whole brochure is full of vendors we are gonna have fun we're gonna shop we're gonna eat snacks mm. we got two different coffee trucks coming out we have an after party with all of these giveaways incredible 
But you know what? We're going to be seeking the face of Jesus. Yes. We're going to be seeking that together and community and just seeing what he wants to do in all of our lives. Listen, this is just some of the breakout sessions that we're having. Parenting with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Okay, moms, dads, how many of you want to parent with the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Listening to who God says you are in a world of competition and comparison. Living well, a holistic health approach mental health, anxiety, and depression, and how to deal with it spiritually, and unveiling your warrior princes, knowing your authority, and how to pray. These are just some of our breakout sessions that I'm so, so excited about, so much so that I don't want you to miss it. Okay, ladies, a lot of you have already signed up. We've got a group coming from Huntsville, Southeastern University. We got some from Ozark, Cottonwood, but I want you there. That's right. Okay, this is your church. So because I want you there, let me tell you what I'm going to do today. I have that QR code, which is already up. If you register right now in the next 15 minutes, you will get the whole weekend for $35. Now, listen, that's lunch included, a canvas bag full of fun stuff, these breakout sessions, after-party snacks. And I keep using the word snacks because how many of you like snacks? Mm. Yes. Come on, that's worth $35. The coffee truck too. So you get a discount and you get a discount and you so, get a discount. And, yeah, okay, now, now Pastor Hayden, they got Yes, yes, yes. Um, Pastor Hayden, the code, the discount code for you today in the next 15 minutes is Sunday. Y'all know how to spell that? Sunday, <laughs> all caps, okay? Do it right now. Get your phone out right now and register right now. I'm telling you, it is going to be a phenomenal weekend, and I am so excited, and all the team is excited, and we, uh, you know, we're, I think we're going to have a testimony night but talk, talking about yeah. everything. You know, you would not believe, I know you only told me I could only have a few minutes, but listen. Hey, look, we so, co-pastor this place, so, so I mean, you know, you got me, the mic You would now. not believe, and I hope to, to be able to tell you some of the stories, but just this week, the story that happened that God worked out for a young lady to, to be here. Yeah. Like she had been crying out, just going through a hard time. And I, I'm just telling you, but I'll tell you another thing. The enemy's fighting hard too. That's right. Because you know, he fights what is a threat. Yeah. And I believe that he thinks that this weekend, he knows what's going to happen this weekend and take place this weekend. So y'all pray for us. Men, pray for the women. We are going to have a great time, but we're going to walk out of that weekend changed and um, on fire for the Lord. Amen. 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 Keep that that code up for just a minute. Amen. Thanks, guys. Go ahead and leave leave that code up there. And um, thank you, my friend. As we continue to partner with what God is doing, especially for us guys, uh, on behalf of the ladies, I would encourage you gentlemen to make room for your spouse or whomever uh, is connected, your mom, to, to make sure that you're helping them to be able to get there. I know there was seasons of our life that were very, very busy, and I would take on additional responsibilities to make sure that my wife receive from the Lord and I'd encourage you guys to do the same make sure that they have what they need so that they can celebrate and I believe that God's going to do something transformational and there is child care provided so uh, you have to register for that but uh, that will help you as well 
but we thank God for this weekend. We're believing God for great things. Well, listen, it's offering time. We get to give unto the Lord. How many are grateful God's blessed you? Come on, he's been good. He's been so faithful. You can see the five ways to give up on the screen. And um, we want to take a moment and pray over you and your family in this time of giving, that God would do what I would say, the Bible says, exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask, think, or imagine. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have today to celebrate in what you've given to us and who you are. And now, Lord, I pray over this time of giving that in the moment of celebration, that we would worship you with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind and our strength, and that today we would find our our identity and focus in you. And God, I thank you that as we trust you with our tithe, Lord, that's really the picture of of giving is that it's a trust factor, that, that you gave us everything and it's on loan from you, so we just simply give back to what, Lord, uh, obediently you've said in your word and then also as a blessing of generosity where we say thank you, God, for your goodness. Now I speak blessing over each and every person in this room and those watching online in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you give. And um, today, we're going to take a moment to participate in something that's biblical. It's called communion. And Jesus, on this night of Passover, was actually celebrating one of the feasts, the feasts of the Old Testament, where God was bringing his people out of Egypt and into a promised land. And in the in the process of that transition, there was a lot of challenge, there was a lot of difficulty getting to the promise. But in the process of that difficulty was a promise waiting. And Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that he was the promise waiting. And so in the Passover, it transitioned from a feast into a resurrection moment. Jesus wanted them to know that he was becoming the sacrifice, the sacrificial lamb. And that what was once a sacrifice of a physical lamb, and they'd place the blood of that animal on the doorpost of their house, representing the coverage of God over that, over that household, and that the death angel would then pass over them back in Egypt. That now, many, many years later, now, Jesus would be the sacrificial lamb that his blood would pay for all of our sins. And so today, I want you to take out the communion elements if the ushers would make their way. Uh, they also have the communion elements available. And so you just kind of wave at them. If you don't have the juice and the, and the cup uh, and the bread, you can go ahead and wave at them, and they'll make sure to get that to you. Um, but because we, we don't want to miss anyone, we want all to be able to participate today. But if you'd say, Mark, today, I want to make sure that Jesus Christ is the Lord of every area of my life. This is a perfect moment because it's an opportunity for you to recognize the price that Jesus paid on Calvary's cross for our sins. You know, salvation is a free gift, but it costs Jesus everything. Just like our freedom in the United States costs something. Those men and women who've paid with their own blood, many of them losing their lives and spilling their blood to keep us free. So too, it was the blood of Christ that makes us free, it sets us free. So today, before we take of this communion, I'm gonna invite you to simply bow your heads, close your eyes, ask the Lord, Lord, 
that's me today, I need forgiveness of sins. I need a fresh start today. So before I take of this communion, Lord, I want to I make sure that my relationship with you is right. That I'm free of my sin and I'm forgiven. And if that's you today, maybe it's a first time dedication to the Lord. Maybe it's a rededication prayer. Or you watching online today, I want you to know this moment is for you. So if you just simply do this, acknowledge that need for him by simply raising up your hand. And as you raise your hand, it's a dedication to the Lord saying, Lord, that's me. I want to be in this moment of dedication. I want to rededicate my life to the Lord. Yeah, God bless you. God bless you. Many hands that are going up already. Yeah, God bless you. In the balcony, yes. God bless you. God bless you. Yes. On the main floor, I'm just kind of scanning the moment. If that's you, God bless you. Well, I want to lead you in a prayer. and You can just say this in your own heart. You can just simply say, Lord, forgive me for my sins. I repent for all I've done wrong. I believe that you died and rose again for me, and I now make you Lord and Savior of every area of my life. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. You know, when you pray a prayer like that in your own heart and spirit, the Lord hears it. He recognizes it. And friends, you're now part of the family of God. You're in a new family, an eternal family, a forever family. And so today, this moment then is not just a representation of the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, but it's a resurrection for you today. And we celebrate that today. Would you take out the bread and this wafer represents the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that he took this bread, he broke it, he gave it to his disciples. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take it, and as you do, do it in remembrance of Jesus Christ. Let's receive this bread by faith. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you'll peel back the top to reveal the juice, this represents the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that on the night he was betrayed, he took the cup. He lifted it. He said, this is my blood, which is a picture of the sacrifice. This is the new covenant for you in my blood. Then he says, take this. And as you do, do it in remembrance of me. So we take this cup and we recognize the price that was paid to set us free from our sin. Let's receive this cup by faith. Thank you, Jesus. Now I'm going to invite your elders to make their way to our various stations of prayer right here toward the back in our exit sign there by our prayer wall, back over here by our exit sign by the prayer wall over here, up in the balcony. Friends, we're going to, in a moment, we're going to sing a few songs of worship. And as we do, it's an opportunity for you to slip out from where you're at, to go to the back and to begin to uh, receive prayer believing God for a miracle in faith. And of course, if you have a prayer need, you can go to that prayer wall and write that prayer request out and tack that on the wall because we pray over your needs consistently. We believe that this will be a house of miracles, but it first has to begin with a house of prayer. That's what Jesus described on that Passion Week. And so today, as we stand and prepare to worship God in song, you take your needs to the elders, just like the Bible says. If 
If any are sick among you, go to the elders and receive prayer. But if you need a healing touch in your body, if you have a financial need, an emotional, a relational need, a spiritual need, whatever it is, today is a day of miracles. Would you stand up with us? Let's worship the King together in song and slip out from where you're at and receive prayer today.
As we try to find a rhythm amongst the noise of this world, tuning the strings of our soul to feel we have a place in this orchestra of life, we find sometimes that we get lost amongst the oceans of sound. We dance and move our way through it all to find meaning, just trying to fit into this place and the people around us. Doing this on our own, we find we lose the rhythm. It's only through the grace of God that we truly find our place in this world. When we walk alongside Christ, He fills us with purpose. Only then we truly find our rhythm as we join in His orchestra. We learn to move in sync with God and His plan for us all. Letting God use us, the noise of this world becomes faint and the rhythm of God becomes clear. And how many of you love Jesus today? Yeah, and can you give it up for those joining with us online right now? Welcome. Hey, we're so glad that you're joining with us. And if it's your first time joining online and you're in the Dothan area, we would be so honored to have you be a part of this congregation. There's nothing like being in the house of God. And I want to give it up for all of those that are first-time guests in the house today. Can you give it up for them today again? God bless you. And we would love after this service to connect with you and give you a gift for hanging out with us 
today. It would be our great joy to be able to connect with you. Well, listen, go ahead, grab your copy of God's Word and simply say this after me. Say, I am what God's Word says I am. I can do what God's Word said I can do. I can become all that God said I could be. So today, I'll hear God's Word, I'll receive God's Word, and I'll obey God's Word because I love His Word. Now listen, turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, even if your team didn't win, it's still God's on the throne. I'm just saying, you just, sometimes you got to say that during football season. It's a pretty big deal around here. <laughs> Go ahead if you would and uh, turn in your Bible to 2 Kings chapter 18. And you can, of course, follow along with us on the YouVersion app of the Bible. And of course, you can always follow us after the fact or even during the service on any of our social media outlets. You can uh, share the content because I believe that what if it's a blessing to you, it'll be a blessing to someone else. And that's always our encouragement. That's always our hope is that it's a blessing to you. We're be, we've been in this series called Purpose Matters. And last week, I spent a long time talking to you about your identity and really, knowing who God made you to be is such a critical key to a successful life. Just knowing who God made you to be, having an identity in Him, but then once you have your identity set and focused on Him, now you got to know what to do with the rest of your life. It's great to know who you are and whose you are, but if you don't know what to do with that, then you're kind of stuck. And I think sometimes even in the church world, we, we finally figure out who we are in Christ and we get our identity, but, but we don't, it doesn't change our behavior. It doesn't change the trajectory of our life. It doesn't change the, the calendar or the scheduling or the priority of our lives to focus in on him and what he's called us to do. So you've got to have both identity and purpose. And today, I think I'm going to mold those two together as we dig into God's word, 2 Kings chapter 18. And I want to give you the text in context before I jump in and start to speak to it. Many of us would look throughout the Bible, and if you read the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, and I encourage you to read both Old and New Testament, I encourage you to go through the Bible. We've got uh, the app that we use that get, brings us through the daily routine of of studying the Word of God and reading every single day. Some of you like the chronological Bible. It gives you kind of when it was written, even if the, the placement seems different than the way the books were aligned. Others of you, you enjoy doing like two scriptures in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament, and then you read a psalm and a proverb. But however you choose to do it, you need to dig into God's word and understand what it has to say. But if you have some level of biblical literacy, you've probably heard about the different kings of Israel. The kings that kind of presided over God's people during really strategic seasons. And, and you can read all about that in the Old Testament. But if some of you would say, well, I don't know which was the greatest of, of all the kings. Some might say King David because, you know, he's a man after God's own heart. And he continually sought the Lord. And he walked with God. And so there was an obedience. And so you might say, well, he was the greatest. Or you might say his son Solomon, who was the wisest king who ever lived. Because when asked what he wanted from the Lord, he asked for wisdom on how to direct God's people. 
And so he might be considered one of the best. But in this particular passage, it outlines another king that's lesser known, but highly revered. And one that says, out of all the kings, this one had it going on. So let's look at it and see who really had it going on as a leader. Let's look at it. 2 Kings chapter 18, verses 2 through 7. It says, Hezekiah, everybody say Hezekiah was 25 years old. Let's stop right there and just say this. I don't think we've ever in the history of our nation had a 25-year-old president, but this guy in his life, now I remember when I was 25 and I thought I knew everything and I knew next to nothing. (laughs) You know what I mean? The older you get, the more you know. But this was a relatively young man being placed in the position to stand and rule on behalf of God to God's people. Listen, friends, I want, you, I want to say this as, to the younger group, and I know this isn't just the totality of the younger group. There's people, uh, young adults all across this congregation, but we need to revere those who have gone before us. We need to respect those who are older than us. They, they've lived some life. They have experience. They have education. They've graduated summa cum laude from the school of hard knocks. They know what it's like to have lived in your place. And sometimes it's easy to overlook their experience because you just say, well, they can't relate to where I'm at today. And I, I get that. I understand it. But we've got to revere those who are older than us. And at the same time, Those of us, and I'll put myself in the category of the older generation from 50 and above. I want you to understand that even though God has blessed us with wisdom and experience, there is a younger generation that we need to propel and put on our shoulders and elevate to places of leadership position, not because they've earned it by their experience, but rather we want them to go higher than we've ever gone before. We want them to have the next hand on the wheel of the generation that brings in and ushers in the presence and the power of Almighty God. And so we can't become territorial as we become older positionally. We, we have to resign positions at times so that we can mentor the next generation and raise them up to be godly leaders. And the Bible says, don't look down. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Because you're, with youth comes zeal. And so there's aspects of both experiential wisdom that the older has and zeal of the younger generation. And listen, we don't need to be in fighting or in competition with one another. I don't sense that in this church. I'm just saying that we don't have to be in competition. We don't have to look at it and say, well, in my day, X, Y, and Z. Listen, in, in, in your day, you lived. <laughs> and everyone is living in their day right now. What we have to do is partner older and younger that we might perpetuate the godly heritage that this nation desperately needs. So here it is. He's 25. I've gotten five words into this and I've already preached half the message. I'm just kidding. Here it is. Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. Here's what's important about this leader. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord. Everybody say trusted. (laughs) There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before, here it is, or after his time. He remained faithful to the Lord. Everybody say faithful. In everything, it says. And he carefully obeyed. Everybody say obeyed. 
He obeyed all the commands that the Lord had given Moses. So the Lord was with him. And it says that Hezekiah was successful in everything he did. Look, you want to have the formula for success? You can go get like leaders and, or a, a, you know, a leadership book on, on uh, how to be the best and most successful leader. You can get a leadership for dummies book. You know, you, you can try to figure out all the formulas. You can see the Fortune 500 companies and uh, look at the CEO or the CFO and try to figure out what they did and try to mimic what they did. But friends, if you truly want to be a godly and spiritual leader that literally lasts through your generation and generations to come, here is the formula. He literally gives it in three words. He trusted, he was faithful, and he was obedient. How would you like God to say that about you, right, as a leader, that, that you would be the one that would be considered faithful and trustworthy? He did what was right in the sight of God. He knew who he was and he knew his purpose. He had his purpose and identity locked in. And here's what the Bible says happened to Hezekiah. He lived an amazing life. He was a great ruler. But at one point in his life, he got a little older. And the Bible says he came down with a terminal illness. He got sick. And I want you to see this in the book of Isaiah, chapter 38. I want you to see Isaiah the prophet and his response to Hezekiah when Hezekiah, this king, found out that he was terminally ill. It says later, Hezekiah got sick and he was about to die. And the prophet Isaiah said, prepare your affairs and your family. This is it. You're going to die. You're not going to get well. Hezekiah turned away from Isaiah and facing the wall, prayed to God in this 37 or 38 word prayer. He said this, God, please, I beg you, remember how I live my life. I've lived faithfully in your presence. I've lived out of a heart that was totally yours. I've seen, you've seen how I've lived and the good that I've done. And then God said, everybody say God said, doesn't matter what anybody else says and doesn't matter even what Hezekiah said. What matters is what God says in response to our prayer. And here's what God said. I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. And here's what I'll do. I'm going to add 15 years to your life. Can you imagine having that kind of conversation with God? I mean, think about this. I want you to put yourself in his shoes. It doesn't matter how old or young you are in this room. Uh, you may feel like you're a little closer to the end than others. But let me just ask you that question that standing in this room today, if God showed up and said, by a prophet, he said, you have a terminal disease and it's all, it's, it's all but over for you. And in the midst of that, you cry out to God and you say, God, I want you to remember what I've done. I, I want you to remember how I've served others. I, I want you to remember, God, all the things that I've done to try to give the, the, the good news away. <laughs> I've tried to be a blessing. I've tried to honor you. I've been faithful and obedient. And so, God, what I'm asking is, could you extend my life? And then God, in so many ways, changes his mind. On behalf of your faithfulness, God changes his mind and extends his life, Hezekiah's life, 15 more years. Let me just ask you three really personal questions. I want you to take inventory. I'm going to ask you a lot of questions today, but I want it to be really 
internalized, and I want you to ask yourself these all-important questions. If God asked you to give him reasons why he should let you live 15 more years, what would you say? God, fill in the blank in your own mind. God, I want you to give me 15 more years because dot, dot, dot. Let me ask you another personal question that I think is really important. If God reviewed the last 15 years of your life, would he have enough evidence to prove that the next 15 would be as good as the last 15 and he'd have a reason to keep you 15 more years on the earth? Listen, God made you, God formed you, God fashioned you. I talked to you about your identity and, your, and how God shaped you and molded you that even before you were even born or was a gleam in your mother and father's eye, the Lord handcrafted and made you, gave you fingerprints to prove that he had his hand on your life and made you unique and different and special from anybody in human history. And he says, I've got a purpose for you. I've got a plan for you. And then he gives you life and breath on the earth and strength and creativity and the ability to make money. And you have the living in the greatest time in human history with all of the, the wonderful advances in medicine and in science and in uh, financial resource, in clean drinking water, in cars that get you from place to place and airplanes that get you there even faster. And he gives us all this and he says, if you have 15 more years to live, would you make it worth your while? Let me ask you another question. It's got real quiet in here, and since you're internalizing, that's probably a good thing. Sometimes good preaching gives a little shout, and sometimes good preaching gives a little, hmm, <laughs> selah, think about it. Would God say that you are a good steward of what you've been given? If we've had all these wonderful advances and we've lived in the greatest time period in human history, arguably, would God say that you've done well with what you've been given? Because no one else has been given the assignment that you're given. As a matter of fact, you won't answer to God one day. If you're standing before God on judgment day, he's not going to ask you what I did with what I was given. He's going to ask you what you did with what you were given. Then when I stand before him, he's not going to ask me about my wife. He's going to ask me about me. As close as we are, we are one. We are uh, 29 years married. And, and still, even so, he will not call into account what my wife did. He'll call me into account for wh what I've done. So then I think a question, the third question needs to be posed. Then are you truly serious about using the rest of your life on earth to make a significant contribution to serve God? And if so, listen, you, that has to... It has to do with your time and your talent and your treasure and every breath that you breathe and everything that you've done, given your time and your energy and your resources to serve God. I mean, look, I don't know how much time you have left on the earth and I don't know how much time I've got left. All I know is if the duration or if the donation of my life determined the duration of my life, <laughs> I better make, make it worth it. Every second, every moment. Are you willing to use the rest of your life to serve God and his purposes? If no, then why would God even give you another moment on the earth? Think about this. God chose to give Hezekiah 15 more years because he knew based on the previous 15 years of Hezekiah's life, he would make the most of the next 15. 
being a good steward of your life is one of the most significant patterns of growth that God's looking for. He doesn't want you to be an immature child. He wants you to grow up. He, he has a, a purpose and plan for your life to grow and mature and, and, and give and, and serve and love. Listen, if you're going to live self-centered, a self-centered and self-focused life, that's the picture of a child. That's a picture of immaturity. Maturity is when you grow up enough that you see that others matter too. <laughs> And you're willing to give rather than receive. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 through 17 asks you uh, five or acknowledges five really significant things. It says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like those who are not wise. Live wisely. I mean that you should use every chance you have for doing good because the days are evil. So don't be foolish with your lives. You know, in other words, don't waste it. But learn, everybody say learn. Learn to do what the Lord wants you to do. Friends, it is your responsibility to learn what God wants you to do. He made you for a purpose. Now it's your responsibility to figure out the purpose that you're supposed to serve. He asked these important questions in Ephesians 5, the, the chapter we just read. Are you being careful with how you're living your life? Are you living wisely? Are you making the most of your time? Are you making sure that every opportunity is taken to do, to do good for others? And are you doing what God wants you to do with your life? An interesting parallel passage is in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21. It says, the Lord wants to use you. Everybody say, use you. Now, this is an interesting concept because those two words uh, give both positive and negative connotations. I've had moments in my life, I'll be honest, and I'm sure you have too, where you've said, Lord, use me. God, use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. God, use me for your purposes, your plan. God, use me in the miraculous. Use me on the job. Use me with my family. Lord, use me in the church. God, use me. And then about five minutes later, after God uses you, you go, man, I feel used. <laughs> It's true. Sometimes we struggle with that because it costs something to serve God. Our salvation and our eternity has already been paid for, but our temporary, our time on this earth costs us everything because we give our life to God. We are no longer our own. We have been bought with a price. So we honor God even with our own bodies. We give of ourselves. This is the picture of Christ in us. He says this, he says, the Lord wants to use you for special purposes, so make yourself clean from all evil. Then you'll be holy and the master can, here's those words again, can use you. You'll be ready for any good work. If you want to be used as an instrument, as a tool in the hands of God, which all of us should feel that way, then we need to be used by God. And if we're going to be used by God, we've got to be holy before God. We've got to make our lives clean before God. And we can't clean ourselves up. We've got to go to God and learn how to become mature and not, not so self-centered and self-focused. God didn't hide his purposes from us. He made it really clear. Matter of fact, God explains over and over again throughout the Old and New Testament what we're supposed to do with our lives. And I don't, I don't have time to cover the five purposes, but I think I'll be able to get to one today. And, and the reason that this one's so important is because it really is number one. It, it trumps all the others. If you get this one down, you've got all, the, all of them down. And here it is. The very first one is worship. 
Worship is the most important thing you can do with your life. To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. To keep God first in every area of your life. God wants to be the center and the focus of your world. God made you to love you. And he wants you to build your life in and around him as the center and focus. He doesn't want just some of your life, friends. He wants all of you. Every part. He wants you to know him and love him. Why? Because he first loved us. He already gave his life for us. Now he wants in, 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 listen, in your moments left on the earth, you will be able to do more with your life, giving it over to him than you ever could by working and serving yourself and your own selfish desires. He equates it really to a marriage. Like you, you make a vow, you say yes to Jesus, you make him Lord of your life. What does Lord mean? Lordship. He, he, he's first and foremost. We answer to him. We give our lives totally to him. Our lives are not our own anymore. And it's similar to that in a marriage where you say yes to that person and that's a lifelong commitment. And so it is with the things of God. He equates that to marriage, that, that we are connected to God in this marital vow called Christianity. Are you following this? God says, uh, just like you are the focus of my attention, God says, I want you to have relationship with me and make me the hub of your heart, the axis of your existence. One day Jesus was walking down the street and a teacher of the law asked him an important question. What's the most important command? You've heard me teach this I, man, I preach it so often and I teach it so much that it just should be like on repeat for you. But in Mark chapter 12 and in Matthew chapter 22, it gives the answer to the all-important question that Jesus was asked by a teacher of the law, what's the most important thing I can do with my life? What's the most important command I can follow? And it was so clear, so quick. It was almost as though Jesus didn't even have to pause. He said this in Matthew chapter 22. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. It's the first one. It's above everything else. The first purpose of your life is to love God, to worship him. Friends, God made you to have relationship with you. And I think people misinterpret the word worship to be singing. They think it's all about singing a song. Friends, singing three songs on a Sunday morning does not equal worship. Now listen, when we do sing praise to God corporately, my prayer is this, that the worship team would never be the ones that have to cheerlead us into worship. Let me tell you something, when, when they hit the first note of that song, I want to be serving God so much and so desperate for his presence, so desirous to have his presence in my life that I can cry out to God for all the blessings that he's given and all the things I need for this next week and say, God, you've been good enough. You've been faithful enough that Lord, I can raise my voice and lift this roof and tell you how much I appreciate you in song. I mean, I thank God for great worship leading and I, I thank God for great worship pastor and Pastor Hayden and I, I thank God for each of the instrumentalists and the vocalists and they do an amazing job. They're, they're, they're consistently amazing at what they do, not just uh, instrumentally and vocally, but spiritually. They're contagious in their worship. But friends, let me tell you something. They could sing and play until Jesus comes. And if you sit there 
with your arms crossed and your voice silent like you uh, somehow you were screaming at that Bama game and at that ref like they were sitting right in front of you listening to what you had to say. You were hollering at those coaches and players, screaming at, it, at inanimate objects because they didn't put a pigskin across the chalk line. And the God of the universe stands before you waiting to have relationship. And you cross your arms like you don't have nothing to say to the God of the universe. Man, he created you to worship him. That's your first and primary responsibility is to give back to God what belongs to him. He is worthy and that's why it's called worship. It's worth-ship. You're telling God he's worth it. You don't show up on a Sunday morning because this is the thing to do. This is the traditional thing we ought to do. It's not because you're going to get a gold star in heaven because you got the perfect attendance coming to church. It's not because this is a social club or, or a political entity. This is a place where corporately we gather together to give God the praise, to give God the worship, to raise our hands and surrender to him and to sing with all we've got to say, God, you've done enough for me. If you didn't do one more thing for me, I'll still praise you. I'll still praise you. Your miracle is waiting on your ability to worship because it unlocks freedom. It dispels all of the darkness, takes that dark cloud from around you. Giving God the praise is everything. Worship, there's hundreds of ways to worship God. It's a relationship. It's a lifestyle. It's focusing on him. It's getting our eyes off us and onto him. It's prioritizing God daily in everything. If you're going to prioritize anything in your life, listen, don't just prior prioritize things like your career or fun or hobbies or making money or even your own family. Prioritize God first and everything else. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then the Bible says, then all these things will be added. Man, I want all the added stuff, but I don't want to sometimes do the first thing. Trust the Lord with all my heart. Don't lean on my own understanding. Acknowledge him. He'll make my path straight. Prioritize God above everything else. The problem is if we don't prioritize God above everything else, everything else that becomes a priority above him becomes something called an idol. And idolatry is that you, you know, some people think of idolatry, they look at it like a carved idol, and they did have those, especially in the Old Testament. We got a lot of idols that we serve today that we've prioritized above God. Listen, I, I love hobbies, I love sports, I love extracurricular activities, I love vacations and fun things. I think we live in a great society today. But listen, friends, don't ever elevate anything above God. How dare we elevate above anything above the creator of our lives and the creator of the universe? The Bible says, I have no other gods before me. So how do you know when something has taken priority above God? Well, I promise you this, you'll figure it out. It'll be the warning light on the dashboard of your life is worry and fear, and you'll get stressed out when worship isn't first. I promise that's what's going to happen. Societally, things are, are, are crumbling and shifting and changing. And God says, I want your attention on me, not on that. Worrying and, and fear, it, it, it becomes the stress point. Matthew chapter 6, verse 32, 
answers that question for us about what happens when we take our eyes off God. It says, people who don't know God, everybody say, know God. It doesn't just mean that you know about God, like the statistics on the back of a baseball card. You know all the stat lines. No, I'm talking about knowing the player. (laughs) I'm talking about knowing the person. I'm talking about knowing Jesus. People who don't know God are always worrying. How can you tell when, when God is the priority of your life? There's peace. I've prayed this prayer over so many people. Let the peace of God that transcends human understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace that passes human understanding, right? Your own human intellect tells you to freak out, but your spirit tells you to remain calm and be at peace because God's in control. Here's the paraphrase in the message in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. I love this paraphrase. It says, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. Just turn to your neighbor and say, settle down. Settle down. (laughs) It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Worship is the antidote to worry. And it's our choice. It's our priority. And the reason that we can't prioritize all these other things, our hobbies and our interests and our likes and our fun and our money and our career and even our own family is because in difficult times, they can't hold us together like God. Only God holds us together in difficult times. We've been in transition here at this church. Obviously, some of you know about some of those transitions. Of course, Pastor Adam transitioned recently. Michelle and I have been in transition as it relates to our own family. We've shifted into more of an empty nest uh, relationship. Um, but, but our entire staff has really gone through, your entire staff, I should say, has really gone through a tremendous transition. And this is one of the reasons why I feel like it's so important on October 15th that we celebrate the work that they've given in the midst of transition. But I know Pastor Hayden, of course, is about to get married. We're excited about that. That's awesome. Cannot wait. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. Get a little whoop, whoop. And, uh, Pastor Will and Lindsay are about to have a baby, have their first baby. Yeah, I'm saying, little Lucy, cannot wait. I don't even say hi to Lindsay anymore. I just say, hey, Lucy, and then I just keep walking. You know, it's really sad. Get used to it. That's that's the way it is when you have kids. My parents don't even know my name, but they know their grandkids. I'm just saying, no, I'm just playing. They love me. I love them. Pastors Josh and Natalie now have two teenagers in their home Everybody get on your knees and pray right now. Two teenagers in their home. (laughs) Great young man and young woman that that they are, but Pastor Carl and Nicole, unique season, family in transition, their children uh, and some of their grandkids uh, transition to to Georgia. I mean, you know, from Alabama to Georgia, I don't even know how you can do that. I just, I, I thought that was like a territory that you just don't cross, you know, I mean... I'm just kidding, guys. Come on. <clears throat> but not only has our, our, our staff been in transition, I want you to understand our world has been in transition. Post-COVID, during those seasons, the world went crazy. And let me tell you something about when the world goes crazy and our peace is in the world and not in the word. We, uh, uh, the ground gets shaken from underneath us and we all freak out. It seemed like all of America got sunburned during COVID. 
You know what happens to someone who's, who's incredibly sunburned is you barely touch their skin and they go nuts. If you grab their arm when they didn't, weren't sunburned, they're fine. You barely touch their skin and everybody is on edge. Difficulty, trouble, struggle. When I was growing up, Sears and uh, Blockbuster and Toys R Us were running the show, right? Massive conglomerates all around the country. And then stuff happened, and they're really not the players in the game anymore. Now you got Amazon, right? You can just order from a computer. You don't have to show up any place. Go to the mall. Hardly anybody there comparatively to what it used to be. You know, they got a drone that'll come in and drop, your, drop off your package for you. You don't have to leave your house to go to a restaurant because somebody will bring it to you and set it on the doorstep and ring the doorbell and run. <laughs> you know, you go to a gas station, you don't have to walk in and talk to anybody. You just click at the pump and you don't speak to anybody. You, you pull up to your garage and uh, you got an electric garage door open. You pull in, you put the garage door down. You don't have to talk to your neighbors. You don't have to say a word to anybody. And it's actually become a deterrent to our relationship with one another. But in this unique situation where uh, FedEx and Amazon and Netflix took over Blockbuster and uh, Toys R Us, I, I have to tell you that in that transition, there's, you know, AI, uh, artificial intelligence and chat GTP and stuff like that. I, 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 fooled around and asked chat GTP something. If you don't know what artificial intelligence is, you, you ought to look it up. But uh, I typed in, uh, last Easter, I typed in, in front of my family, I, I typed in, write a three-point Easter sermon in the voice of Pastor Mark Benson from Dothan First Assembly. That thing spit out the best message I've ever preached <laughs> without me clicking a button. You know how much it scared me that it knew me? You know what I'm saying? Like, it wrote that thing in 20 seconds. So I preached a great Easter message. I'm just kidding. I didn't preach that. I, that's not how I write my messages. I'm playing. But it's interesting, the shift that's taking place, because people are very nervous. They're saying 300 million jobs uh, worldwide are at risk over the next 10 years. All of these things, these are all the shakables. Friends, in the midst of the shakables, there is an unshakable God that if you can put your focus and your attention and your time and your energy and your effort on Him, the Bible says all these other things will be added. All these things will be added. We're living in a world of transition, and I, I want to close by going over uh, what happened to a group of people in what I would call the birthing of the Old Testament church. We've talked about the birthing of the New Testament church a lot, but there was a birthing of an Old Testament church in Exodus chapter 14, and it talks about this birthing process. The church has always been the called out ones. They're always called out to be separate. And Exodus, uh, it literally means to be called out or to be delivered. Moses, the deliverer, was literally, his name means drawn out, called out. But Egypt was a place, think about this, Egypt was a place of rest 
for our forefathers, spiritually speaking, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob has a son named Joseph. Joseph becomes the second in command in Egypt. And the whole reason their family moved there was a famine that brought them to a land of plenty. And they became famous and blessed in a nation. And there comes a point, listen, where even the blessings can become a curse over time. Because the Bible says that that Pharaoh that gave Joseph that great position, he dies off and another Pharaoh takes his place who does not know Joseph or the people of God. And he sees these people as a threat and then he enslaves them. And for 400 years, he enslaves them until these 10 plagues come. And I've I've shared all of this with you, but I'll kind of rehearse your memory. If you've never seen the, the Ten Commandments movie or Prince of Egypt, you might be a little lost, okay? But if you have, you, or if you've read the scriptures, you know what took place at these 10 plagues. The last plague, as I mentioned during our communion time, is the blood of an animal over the doorpost of their house, representing that that house is covered by God. The worship of God is first priority in this household. The Bible says the death angel passed over those homes, but the homes that didn't have the blood applied to the doorpost of their house where God was not first place in the lives of those that lived and resided in those homes. The firstborn was killed. And of course, we recognize that the Pharaoh had been asked over and over to let my, let my people go. Uh, they, it was, Moses was saying, let, let my people go out into the desert. Why? So we can get away from your bondage and slavery. That was not the reason that was given to Pharaoh. And that's not the reason God gave them. The reason was not so they could no longer be slaves. Although that was a great byproduct. The number one reason that God called them out of Egypt. The reason they left Egypt. The reason that Pharaoh gave them permission to leave Egypt. Was they were going out into the desert to worship God. Worship was their number, pri- number one priority, not even being enslaved for 400 years. Worship took precedence and priority. And so in this process, the Egyptians, after having released these who were enslaved, these Hebrew children, now in Exodus chapter 14, verses 9 through 12, you find that the Egyptians get angry Probably more to the point, they get fearful that they're going to lose all their hardworking uh, labor force that they've enslaved all these years. And they begin to chase them. And here's what happened. The Egyptians chased after them with all their forces in the Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots and his charioteers and his troops. And the Egyptians caught up. Everybody say caught up. It wasn't even like they saw him way, way back. They literally caught up with him caught up with the people of Israel and they were camped beside the shore of Bai-Hairoth across from Baal-Zephon. Verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and they were panicked. Everybody say panicked. Panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them and they cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Like Moses had a gun to their head saying, you got to go with me. Silly. Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. We didn't pray for a deliverance. We didn't pray for a deliverer. Liar, liar, pants on fire. 
Leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. They forgot why they left Egypt. They were, they were just a few short hours away from their 400-year enslavement and with no hope in sight, God sends them a deliverer, answers their prayer, and now they're complaining because some trouble comes. They lost their identity. Friends, let me tell you something. You will never find you without knowing him. Go to counselors, read books, try to you know, drum up a good self-esteem. You will never find you without knowing him. God was going to reestablish their identity by connecting through worship in the wilderness. And the concept, think about this, the concept of God had been influenced by Egypt. The Bible says even their taste buds became like Egypt. They had a taste for Egypt. When they didn't get what they wanted in the wilderness, they said, oh, I wish I had this from Egypt. I wish I had that from Egypt. And like someone who's been imprisoned, think about this. They're used to three meals a day with no work. They're not used to providing for themselves. They were confused in their identity. They, they had become prisoners in their own mind because the environment had shaped them and God had to get them out of the environment to show them who they were. Because friends, this was not just an identity issue. This was a worship issue. And our world has been captured by what I would call an antichrist spirit, which is exactly what the Bible calls it. And listen, our desperate need for approval in our culture has robbed us of our own identity as the church of the living God. It's as though the church has developed Stockholm syndrome. You know what Stockholm syndrome is? It's where, it's where someone kidnaps you and you fall in love with your captor. It's a twisted up mindset. But friends, God is calling us out. Why? Why is he calling us out? Why? So that we can have a good identity and be successful and strong and wealthy and have everything we'll ever need. No, it's so that we can worship him. He calls us out from among them so that we can be separate, so that we can worship the living God. When I was in a secular university, the professor did not like my writing. And I, I did really well in writing in school. I did really well in writing when I was at Southeastern University, which is a, a Bible university. But when I was in a secular university, they did not like my writing, not because I didn't put the commas in the right place or the exclamation point in the right spot, or I didn't use the right punctuation or verbs and adverbs and adjectives. I, I, did, I used the conjunction, junction, what's your function, just like I learned in, come on, old school. Y'all watch cartoons on Saturday anyway. The, old, the young kids don't get that, but I, trust me, that was funny. Anyway, the reason that she did not like my writing style is because I didn't regurgitate back to her her atheism. She wanted me to say what she said and just re, 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 regurgitate it back to her to get the grade and then to, to be promoted. And our current society wants us to say what they want us to say. The problem is they keep changing their mind on, on what, what they even think is true and real. That's where the Bible becomes our source and our focus that is unchanging. That's why. That's why. 
you have to go back to God and say, who did you make me to be? I'm not going to be in an identity crisis just because the world is going crazy. God, who did you make me to be? You got to go back to the manufacturer and say, why did you make me the way I am, the plan and the purpose for my life? See, these Hebrew children, they said, well, I speak a little Hebrew and I speak a little Egyptian. And they had a foot in both camps and they couldn't decide which one they liked more. They didn't realize there is pressure to go toward the promise. Pressure is applied both by the enemy of your soul who kills and steals and, to destroy and destroys. But that pressure is also applied why internally we want what we want more than we want what God wants. God was delivering them from their bondage and slavery and they prayed that God would send a deliverer and the deliverer showed up and they rejected the answer to their own prayers. It was that way in the Old Testament when an Old Testament church was being established and it was certainly established in the New Testament where John the, the, one of Jesus' closest disciples said that they, that Jesus was sent to them. He was sent to his own, but his own would not receive him. They prayed for a Messiah to come, and when the Messiah showed up, they acted as though he did not exist. And friends, the same thing is true of us if we're not careful. If you don't put God as your priority, if you don't make him number one in your life, if you have one foot in Egypt and one foot in the promises of God, when trouble comes, you're going to revert back to what you feel is familiar, what's comfortable. I'd rather die in Egypt to a slave master than dying trying to find my identity worshiping the God of the universe. That's what they were saying. The cost of worshiping God. The first two of the Ten Commands that were given to those children of Israel when they left Egypt heading toward their promised land was this. Have no other gods before me. And the second was like it. Don't make any idols. Don't put anything ahead of me. God is saying today, prioritize me in worship. And here's the result. I love great leaders because in the midst of all this turmoil and they're screaming and shouting and you could only imagine with Pharaoh and his chariots and his horses and all of these armed men getting ready to overtake these Hebrew children, they look to their leader and say, why didn't you let us die in Egypt? Why didn't you let us remain enslaved? And here's this great leader's response, Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. But Moses told the people, do not be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. Watch him rescue you. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. For the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. And let the peace of God that transcends human understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let your worship dispel your worry. Let God be bigger than your problem. Let the Lord's voice be stronger than the world. Don't be comfortable here, friends. This is not our home. We're passing through this place. And I have to tell you, there are many times where people-pleasing becomes something that I have to struggle through, right? I want people to like me. Let me tell you something. 
If you like me and they like me and they like me and they like me, but God does not approve of me, friends, that I've lost everything. Worship's got to be our first priority. And my hope is that today it becomes more than just a song. Although I pray that out of this message, that every single Sunday morning, this church is more alive than ever before. When we sing songs of praise and worship to God, I pray that we would lift the roof with our praise. I pray that we would shout and, and get excited about what God's done and what God's doing and walk in faith. And, but it's more than a song, it's a lifestyle. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He's going to make your path straight. Let's pray. God, thank you for your, your assignment in our lives to worship you, to make you first in everything. And I pray in Jesus' name you would do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask, think, or imagine by allowing us entrance and access into the Holy of Holies where we learn how to trust you. Now I want to pray over those of you in this room that have been worried and stressed out and fearful, struggling and battling. Lord Jesus, I pray right now for those who have been battle-weary by the challenges of life. Those in this room and those watching online that feel like they're at the end of their rope, they've been doing all that they can to try to make ends meet. They're, they're stressed out about their job and what's going to come next. And they're stressed out about their kids or their grandkids and what they're doing. And they're, they're stressed out about what's going to happen with the election and what's going to happen with the economy and what's going to happen with my, my situation. And, and Lord, it's, it, it's overwhelming. But Lord, I pray you would dispel the fear and replace it with trust. I pray there'd be just a significant transition that takes place where we move toward our promise in a way we, like we never have before. Let faith be our guide and let you be our focus. Now, if you keep your heads bowed and eyes closed, I've already asked for a placement of salvation and a prayer for salvation. But if you just say with your heads bowed and eyes closed, that prayer you just prayed was for me, Pastor. I, I've been worried and stressed out. I've been going through some stuff. Maybe nobody else knows it, but you and God, but you've been going through it. Can you just put up your hand right now all over this place? Yeah, Christians all over the place just raising their hand. That's me, Pastor. Yeah, God bless you. God bless you. Yeah, just hands all over the place. Friends, this was for you today. It was to calm your spirit that the peace of God would transcend your human understanding, that it would guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And I want the worship team to play a song over you. And it's the, really the bridge of one of the songs that we sang, the last song that we sang, that we build our life on him. And I want you to reach out to God in maybe ways you never have, stretch your faith out toward him today as we sing this song of praise. And worship team, if you'd pre be prepared to lead that today. I just feel like that we need to close things a little different today. I'll come back up and release you with a blessing. But I want them to just sing this over you, that I'll build my life upon Jesus Christ, upon his love, his word, his plan. That's the only place we're going to find true freedom and the foundation for our faith that does not shift. Worship team, would you lead us?
want to do this. I feel like that uh, God's just stirring something in you. And what I'd like us to do is I'd like us to stand up. And if you say, Mark, I really need him to be a firm foundation in my life. And maybe you're not going through anything today, but you sense the turmoil is coming. What I'm going to invite you to do is slip out from where you're at. I want us to come along the front. I just want you to worship God as they sing this song over you. If that's you, I just want you to slip out. Come on and, and, and stand across the front and just kind of as a sacrifice of praise, say, God, I, I really want my, my attention and focus to be on you and nothing else. If you're making kind of a line in the sand today as a, as a spiritual believer, as a leader in your household, uh, pastor and, and uh, other type of spiritual leaders are wonderful, but we have spiritual authority in our own homes, even in our own lives. And so I'd encourage you to step up from where you're at and begin to worship God in a way maybe you never have before, with a trust like you never have before, with a faith like you've never had before. And this is something for all of us as believers to do. This isn't just for the select few. This is for all of us to say, Lord, I'm all in. Lord, I'm not going to let Egypt get into me. I'm not going to let this world dictate to me who I am. But I'm going to reach out in faith and believe that, Lord, today as I step across that line for myself, for my household, for my family, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And no weapon formed against us will ever be able to prosper. Come on, can you worship him? Sing with us. in your matchless name that we come to you in faith 
trusting you, believing for the, th the things that are unseen, Lord. We, we thank you that, Lord, you can call things that are not as though they were and make them so miraculously. And I pray that that would take place in the lives of this congregation and each one, Lord, watching online and here in the building. Lord, I pray the blessing hand of God be released over this house. Let this be a place of prayer. Let this be a house of worship. Let this be a house of word. And let this be a house where we worship you with everything we have. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and bring you peace. And may the Lord our God write his name on your heart and declare you're my children. No one can take you from my hand. May you know the love of your Savior that came and died for you and rescued you. And may you give that love away to as many people as humanly possible. I bless you to be a blessing to your family and your friends and your co-workers and your sphere of influence. But mostly I bless you to bless the name of the Lord our God that you might worship him and place him as first priority in your life. I bless you to be worshipers in Jesus' name. Our worship team is going to continue to sing over you. You can stay as long as you like, or you can just slip out if you'd like, either one. But the worship team is going to continue to lead us in, in a few songs of worship. You just remain as long as you'd like and then slip out whenever you feel ready. Don't forget your children. If you stay here like past noon, we'll just like, we're going to send your kids to Burger King without you. I'm just kidding. I'm not, we're not going to do that. But, but I bless you in the name of Jesus. God bless you. We love you. And we believe God's hand is upon you. God bless you.